I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. I want to just talk about prayer and fasting with us. And uh, I'm going to begin at Luke chapter 10. Um, this is actually a subject I've never taught on ever. So, and I usually don't practice fasting, but as we get into it, we'll find out that fasting is not just all liquids, only water. You can fast social media, you can fast movies, you can fast literally anything, um, and just replace it with um, the things of the spirit, spiritual things like reading the Bible more or praying more or whatever. So anyway, so Luke chapter 10, uh, we're going to begin reading at verse 38. Now it happened when they, he entered a certain village, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her. So I felt like the Lord gave me that particular scripture and I had to add it to my notes that basically, and not maybe I'll speak for myself, like last year and through the holidays, you know, there's just been a lot of distractions, a lot of things going on, a lot of turmoil, a lot of things we've worried about, a lot of things that have been, you know, taking our time away from the things of the spirit. And I feel like God wants us to regroup reposition ourselves and realign ourselves to the one thing that's really needed and that's to hear Jesus's word which is the Bible and scripture and Bible reading but also to sit at his feet and worship him honor him you know uh, visualize him focus in on him in the place of prayer so you know when you, you think about fasting um, you know, basically, we're not going to be more holy or righteous because we're fasting. We know that. We're not going to be more loved by God because we're fasting. We know that. You know, it's more about us than it is about God. And the scripture that was coming to me is James, I think it's 4-2, where it says, draw near to God, but he'll draw near to you. <clears throat> it's not like God was gone anywhere. You know, he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. What changes is us, our position before him, meaning not our righteousness, but our, um, our motives, our thought life, our, you know, our, the, the fact that we get distracted. So fasting doesn't change God. It changes us. 
And it's just a time for us to regroup and, you know, realign ourselves. So basically when it comes to fasting, the reason behind what we do in anything in life really does mean everything. Like why do we do what we do? Well, why are we, why are we going to fast? Why are we going to set some things aside and, and um, lay some things down? Are we going to do it with the right motive? So it's all about motive. Um, and, and in talking about fasting, it's one thing to remember also that takes 21 days to create a habit. Some people say it's more, you know, more than 21 days. But I think generally speaking, it takes 21 days to, ha- to develop a habit, um, you know, and I, I think that um, I, it's up to everyone what they want, how long they want to position them, themselves and how long they want to uh, set that time aside and how long they want to give up whatever it is that you, you all decide to give up. But I think I'm going to shoot till, for me personally, I'm going to personally go till the end of the month. I don't know how many days that is, but that's, that's what I have in my heart. So it's all about motive. It's all about why we do what we're doing. I really want to get closer to God. I feel like for me, I've been distracted with everything going on, and you guys know all about it. And I just want to get back to my first love, so to speak. I want to get back to Jesus. I want to get back to that place of intimacy with him. Because I feel for me, I've been distracted. So you know, and that's what's so good about being a Christian and knowing God and his word. You know, the Bible says we're to judge ourselves lest we be judged. So this is just a time for me personally to draw near to God. He'll draw near to me. And I don't think it's going to take a long time because we already know how to enter in and how to press in. Okay, so why, why are we doing this? We're preparing for power. Matthew 6. Um, here we see Jesus talked about giving, praying, and fasting as if they were non-negotiable practices in the life of a believer. Yet in this, in this regard, wrong motives for these spiritual disciplines can derail the results, turning them into meaningless religious routines. And I'm going to read it in a second. So when you give to the needy, uh, it, does, it says here, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do. So they're, you know, that's their motive. They want to be seen of men, right? And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, right? You know, the scripture says, you know, they love to stand in the, in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Let everybody know how righteous they are, right? I'm so righteous. I pray a lot. I do this a lot. I give a lot. And that's to be seen of men. And that's the motive. And, and the same holds true with fasting. And he said here in verse 16, he said, and when you fast, don't make it obvious like the hypocrites do. Now, obviously, you know, when we enter into a fast, whatever kind of fast everyone decides to do, you know, if it's a Daniel fast, whatever, whatever the case may be, some people are going to have to know, you know, I, I, you know, that you're fasting. It, it, it just comes with the territory if you have a husband or kids or whatever. But basically the best way to do prayer, giving, and fasting is really in secret so that the only one who sees is God. And the Bible says when you do these things, the Bible says he will reward you. So there is a spiritual reward 
when we do these disciplines. He said, I will reward you. Um, okay? So also in Daniel, I'm not going to get into it because we don't have that much time, you know, Daniel set himself to seek the Lord. Then there was an unseen war that was going on. And I think there's war not only over the destinies of our children, but I also think for us as parents, you know, there's war over us. It's like I say to people when I minister in the churches and I teach on, um, um, uh, you know, praying for your pastor. You know, if the devil can get to the pulpit, he can get to the people. So I think there's also been war over the parents, over us as parents, over those of us that are mentoring this next generation. I have a couple people in mind right now that I'm thinking about. They're leaders of a church, and, and there's been so much war over their lives. And so there is an unseen war, but fasting does something. There is something about the discipline of fasting that does something, and even in the case of Daniel. Okay? Okay, so why? Fasting without prayer is starvation or a diet. Okay, Lisa Bevere said that. You know, fasting without prayer is starvation or a diet. Okay? Physical obedience that has a spiritual release like Daniel and Moses. Fasting helps us be more sensitive to the voice of God and spiritual things. It brings clarity. Now, anytime I've ever fasted, um, I've set my heart to seek God, and this is why I don't really like doing it. In the beginning, it's hard. In the beginning, you are distracted. In the beginning, your body, your soul, your flesh is screaming, you know, because there's a habit that we have of everyday living, and when you want to break that habit or stop that thing or make some changes, you know, everything that your body's the routine is going to scream at you and go, no, 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 no. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I want to eat that. Or I want to drink that. I want to have this. I want to have that. So in the beginning, that's really the hardest time. So when I say fasting, you know, makes us more sensitive to the voice of God and spiritual things, it brings clarity. My experience in the beginning, it's the actual opposite. But once you break through and break through the flesh and break through and, and just say no to the distractions that have kept you or I from having that, I call it, intimacy with God. Once you break through, then you reach a place, you know, it's kind of like a spiritual high, so to speak. But in the beginning, it's always rough. It's just like, you know, starting a workout plan, all right? In the beginning, you don't want to go. In the beginning, you don't feel like it. In the beginning, but once you get into that routine, you know, habit takes over so okay fasting food entertainment and other pleasures of life has a way of realigning our lives with our walk with God with the intent to bring us more intimacy with him okay okay it realigns our lives fasting increases our hunger for God it fuels our desires for deeper encounters in his presence you know, you guys have heard me say this. You know, in his presence is fullness of joy, right? And the more you seek him and the more you're in his presence, you develop a craving for him. And for me, I want that craving back. You know, I want to get back to that place of craving him. And because of all the distractions, again, I've lost that edge. I don't want to get that edge back. And see, here's the thing. The devil fears that. He fears us. He fears us having our swords sharpened and, and our swords 
uh, realigned and repositioned because he knows that when we set ourselves to seek the Lord, nothing will be impossible for us, which we've imagined to do because we know that it's God in us that's working through us. And that's what the devil fears. He fears the realignment. Fasting crucifies the flesh. When you starve the flesh and its desires and passions, you bring control to the spirit man. You literally are putting the spirit man in charge. I like that. Fasting is a powerful weapon in our arsenal to keep us hungry, aching, and longing, and in love with our God. Fasting will cultivate a hunger and desire for Jesus that he is so worthy of, but not just, well, you know, some people say, you know, some people do it once a year, but it really should be a lifestyle. I think fasting and setting ourselves the first part of the year is a good thing. It's the first fruits of the year. You know, we're setting ourselves, our intention, our motives, right in the beginning of the year so that we can pick up from here and run the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, not having any weight, any hindrances, anything holding us back. Um, Justin Franklin said this. Uh, he said, are you in need of a miracle? Do you need the tender touch of God in your life? Is there a dream inside of you that only he can make possible? Are you in need of a fresh encounter? Do you desire a deeper, more intimate, and powerful relationship with the Lord? Are you ready to have heightened sensitivity to the desires of God? Do you need to break away from bondages that have been holding you hostage? Is there a friend or loved one that needs salvation? Do you desire to know God's will for your life? So these are all the whys. I'm sure each and every one of us could answer yes to many of those things. These are the whys. Okay, now have you reached a point in your life where it seems like you're having trouble with breakthrough in your life? Prayer seems to be going unanswered or like something's missing, right? How many times have we talked about this? It's like something's missing, okay? Well, I see it like this. I see like pieces of the puzzle are, are, are at the side of the table in the full scope of the picture, God wants to put those pieces inside that picture and give us full wisdom, full understanding, and full revelation. Something I sense something's missing. I personally, I don't know how you guys feel, I personally think that sometimes God puts that hunger in your heart. God puts that something's missing in your heart. Why? So that he, we seek him and we long for him. What did David say in Psalm 63? Lord, I seek you. I long for you. Where? In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Sometimes I think God allows these seasons of dryness to propel us to seek him. Okay? What separates the men from the boys? Quite honestly, it's what we do with the dry times and the dry seasons. You know? What do we do with the times when we don't feel him? The times that we have, you know... We, we don't sense him or what do we do? Do we just stop? You know how many people I know have stopped even in ministry? Do you know how many people start out in ministry and they don't uh, persevere and they get tired and they get weary and they quit? But the percentage is extremely high. And how many people start out in their walk with God 
and then they just kind of become lukewarm. Well, I don't want that. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I run, I'm going to run my race, and I'm going to run it well right to the finish line. And that's where I believe God wants to take us, right to the finish line. Um, uh, here, Jesus said this, like, Jesus said it like this to his disciples. Now, remember, he gave them authority to heal, to drive out devils, signs and wonders, only they ran into a problem, okay? It didn't work, okay? And it says here in Matthew 17, 14 through 18, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He said he has seizures and he's suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. And what did Jesus say? He said, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Jesus said, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed in that moment. So what did Jesus say? He said, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Now, he corrected them. He actually corrected them. He said, you're an unbelieving. What does that mean by unbelieving? Well, you're not connected enough to God. Obviously, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's with us always. But we're talking about that connection. We're talking about that, 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 that thing that you guys all know what I'm talking about, okay? He was saying you're unbelieving. You're not connected to God. You have some doubt. There are parts of you that have some unbelief going on. Your soul is not connected to God. It's not about our spirit. We are a spirit. We have a soul, and we live in a body. It's not about our spirit. It's our soul, Right? Think about Jesus when he was in the garden. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch, he said to his disciples. But they, of course, you know, they fell asleep. Jesus, even in the garden, you know, in his prayer of dedication and consecration, he was having difficulty with his soul. His spirit indeed was willing, but it was his soul, his, his flesh, that was weak. So it's really, it's really about our souls. When you are not connected enough to the things of God, it creates unbelief. The more you spend time with God, the more faith and confidence is built. Now, it's like I had this situation last night. I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone, and this friend of mine said, well, God can do X, Y, and Z and X, Y, and Z for you. And my instant reaction was unbelieving. My instant reaction was I rolled my eyes. I said, yeah, right. Because and, you know, it's discouragement or it's, it's unbelieving. It's not having faith. It's not rehearsing all the other things that God did throughout my life, and he has proven himself to be faithful, okay? That's a soul problem, okay? That's a heart problem. That's a heart issue. And so that's what I personally want to deal with is the unbelieving part of me that doesn't trust God. I don't always trust God in everything. Doesn't the Bible say, oh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding? Well, we don't always trust God like we should. And I think that this time of realigning is going to help all of us to refocus and get our souls back into alignment. Um, when you are not connected to God, to the things of God, it creates unbelief. The more you spend time with God, the more faith and confidence is built. Realignment, I keep saying it. Sometimes our walk with God needs to be realigned, and it happens to everyone. Then he said, 
perverse generation, okay? In other words, you're too connected to the world. The, the, that word perverse is D-I-A-S-T-R-E-P-H-O. It means you turned away. Away from what? Away from God, turned toward more worldly things. Getting involved in some things that are polluting our walk with God. Again, how far do we want to go with God? How far do you want to go with God? How far do I want to walk with God? I do not want to be a person who's living my life and having a lifestyle of anything less than intimacy with God. And, and Kenneth Hagin was my greatest example. He said one time, and I couldn't believe it, he said Jesus Christ is more real to him than his wife laying next to him in the bed. See, I thought that was profound. And that made me hung, want to hunger and thirst after righteousness and thirst after more of the things of God when I heard that. I thought, my goodness, Jesus is more real to him than his wife laying next to him in the bed? I want that. And so that's the kind of lifestyle I'd like for all of us to have. Okay? So Jesus is saying you're not connected enough to God, too connected to the things of the world. What we need to ask ourselves, this is where we judge ourselves, ask God where the connect needs to change. So when we set ourselves to seek God and we set ourselves to seek him, you know, we, we should write these things down. What areas in my life do I need to change? Okay? He, then he may show you worldly things you need to give up. You know, some things like, you know, you know, listening, you know, listening to certain things, um, involve, some things you might be involved in. It could be sin. But it's not even always sin, right? It's just distractions. Okay? So, so here's the problem. Jesus identifies the problem but also gives us a solution. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and he said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So the problem was not the devil. It, it wasn't the devil. You know, it was the unbelief. It wasn't the devil. It wasn't the devil. It was unbelief. He said, you unbelieving and perverse generation. That's the problem, the unbelief and the, the connectedness to the world. And we have a tendency as human beings to become unbelieving and perverse because we live in the world we're in the world we're not of the world but we still have the world that pulls on us and sometimes we let the world pull on us a little too much and a little too far and that's what we want to that's why we want to sanctify ourselves set ourselves apart seek him let some things go fast whatever you choose and however you choose to do it so Jesus gave us the solution not how to cast out the devil the solution to the connection problem was unbelief. Faith is the center of our foundation as a Christian. He said, by grace are you saved through faith. Fasting and prayer has a way of increasing faith, right? So we don't understand, and we've said this before, everything about the spirit world, everything about spiritual things. But we know that when we do certain things, it works. Praying in tongues opens up the door for God to work. 
know, I could teach 10 hours on praying in tongues, okay? You know, when we speak in an unknown tongue, we speak not unto men, unto God, how be it in the spirit, we speak mysteries, God hears us and understands us. You can't understand that with your head, right? It's just like this, this, the practice of prayer and fasting. It is a spiritual law. It is a something we do in the spirit that sets the things of God in motion. Prayer, okay, then connects us to God. When we pray, it develops an intimacy with God and produces faith. The more time you spend with God, the more your faith will grow. The more time you spend with someone, the more confidence you will have in that person, right? In the natural, it's true. So it is with God. The more time you spend with him, the more you get to know him, the more your faith grows, the more your confidence grows, the more, you know, grounded you become. So several times a year, I think we need to align our prayer life. And, you know, and in that regard, faith arises, vision is sharpened, and we know where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. And fasting disconnects us from the world. Fasting is not suffering and starving so God can bless you. You're a child of God. God does not want you to suffer. Then John's disciples came, and here we go again, in Matthew 9, and, and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is still with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. So he didn't say, you know, if, just like in Matthew 6, he said, when you fast, not if. Here he says it again, then they will fast. Jesus endorses fasting as being a spiritual discipline of the church when he leaves to go to the right hand of the Father. And here we have another scripture in the book of Acts, there's a corporate fast, okay? Acts 13, they called for a corporate fast at the church of Antioch. It says here in Acts 13, 2 and 3, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, right? So the church was doing a corporate fast. So many churches right now are doing a corporate fast. I'd like for us to do this together. And the Holy Spirit said, then he spoke, Okay. Separate for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. They were hearing from God to what? God was giving them vision to reach the world around them while they were what? Praying and fasting. In other words, everything that they were doing, they were bathing in prayer and fasting. Corporate fasting is all over the New Testament. One example is in 2 Chronicles 2.20, okay, which we won't get into right now. Paul endorsed fasting. He says in 2 Corinthians 11.27, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. In fastings what? Often. Remember the problem. All humans have the tendency on this side of eternity to be unbelieving and perverse, too connected to the world, not enough to God. Biblical fasting, simply stated, is refraining from food and pleasures of life for a spiritual purpose. Okay, it's starting our year off right. 
This combination of prayer and fasting produces a spiritual power that does not come any other way. Now, this is the time of year everybody's like, joins the gym, and they want to be fit physically, and they join the gym. And by the way, most people that join the gym, you know, after about two months, they fizzle out. I've seen it over and over and over. That's why you've got to be disciplined. When it comes to fasting and prayer, it is a spiritual discipline. Okay, people want to get emotionally fit, relationally fit, but how about getting spiritually fit? That's our motive. How does fasting and prayer help? Why do we do these? Well, I'm not going to do 21 days because we need to disconnect from some of the worldly things and fleshly things and connect to some godly things. Okay, James 4, 7, and 8. Humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty, the New Living Translation says, is divided between God and the world. Okay? So, remember, I'm not going to get into all of this. To set your prayer objectives, okay? Have a plan. Go into this prepared, okay? We are drawing near to God, and we are seeking his face. Prayer, prayer objectives. Put up some times. They're the same time, okay? Declaring your dependence on God. That's what we want to do. Lord, we need you. Lord, we want you. Lord, we can't do this without you. Lord, we trust you. Lord, we're depending on you. Lord, I'm giving you this time. Lord, I honor you. And God honors that. Okay, repentance. This is between you and God, whatever areas you need to let go of. I I mean, I already know what my areas are, right? Fresh vision. Lord, we want fresh vision. Write the vision on the tablets of our heart. What do you want us to do for 2022? What do you want us to do for the next five years? Okay, Asking God to write the vision on the tablets of our heart. Refocusing on the eternal, okay? We live not for this world, but on the things that are not of this world. We're living in the light of eternity, okay? And lastly, you know, what we need to do, what I need to do is, all of us need to do, if you decide to to do this together, we need to decide what type of fast we're going to do, okay? There's all different kinds. And that, too, you could write in your journal. And remember, when you do this, there is a reward, okay? There's, these are just the different. This is kind of more of a practical thing. There's the types of fasts. There's, you know, a total fast, a liquid fast, a Daniel fast, selective fast, soul fast, which is TV, social media, Internet, Netflix. You know, You know, it doesn't do us any good if we just, let these things go and not do extra praying, okay? So the last scripture, we're going to put to death the flesh. Romans eight thirteen. for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So, and then Isaiah 58, we can expect results. 
Expect God to do something new in your life. Expect fresh vision. Expect clarity. It's according to our earnest expectation and hope, the Bible says. It's a release of faith that says, Lord, I'm expecting something from you. Expect a new mindset. Expect new ideas. Expect encounters with God. Isaiah 58 says, then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. Thank you, Lord. So I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. Lord God, I'm asking for everyone who's listening to this teaching, I'm asking for every one of us that you would anoint us to be able to set aside some things of this world and enter into your presence in a greater measure. Father, we make a declaration and a decision to set our hearts to seek you in whatever way you and we set ourselves to do in this time of fasting and prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project Podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.